0: At the moment, and and lock in losses.
1: Yes. Yeah, so shale response um, to you know continuous rise in prices. There. Prices are up eighty percent just over the past eight months. And you know back in the day, three, four, five years ago, you would have seen shale respond much more energetically to this. You know, start uh, drilling more wells, pumping more oil. This time, the story is very, very different. They're very, being very cautious. They're being, uh, you know, <laughs> cautious is not just with OPEC+, Plus, also with shale. In a slightly different way, they, uh, they promised themselves and their lenders and shareholders a lot of cash discipline. They're sticking to it. Uh, that is, in fact, one big reason why uh, OPEC, is, OPEC+, is in the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. So uh, U.S. production slumped by nearly, nearly a million barrels per day uh, year on year last year. Uh, it is uh, going to come down again by two three 300,000 barrels per day this year. It is expected to rebound next year, but as of now, it is not. It's, they're, they're taking it very, very slowly.
0: Vandana, always a pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. That's Vandana Hari, the founder of Vandu Insights. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And in the oil markets right now, Brent crude oil is about a third of a percent higher here in Asian trading at $75. $0.44 a barrel. Gold is trading at $1,808 an ounce. And then around Asian stock markets, the ASX200 in Australia is up half a percent. The Nikkei 225 in Japan has risen 0.9% shortly after the open. Over in South Korea, the Cosby is up half a percent. And Futures markets indicating a rise of about half a percent for the Hang Seng in just under an hour's time. Thank you very much for listening this morning. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. News coming up next and then back chat with Hugh Chiverton and Ada Wong. The weather forecast for today, mainly fine and very hot. Apart from isolated showers, the maximum temperature is going to be about 35 degrees today. And it's going to be persistently very hot with sunny periods in the next couple of days. A few showers in the latter part of this week. The very hot weather warning is in force right now. It's 30 degrees, 78% relative humidity. It's 8.32. Samantha Butler has the half-hour
2: news. Epidemiologist Benjamin Cowling has indicated the situation in Hong Kong is still too unstable to open up travel bubbles. Yesterday, the chief executive, Carrie Lam, said she was awaiting news from Beijing about resuming cross-border quarantine-free travel. Professor Cowling from the University of Hong Kong School of Public Health said without a high vaccination rate, new coronavirus cases here or across the border would burst any bubbles.
0: that's going to be a little bit unstable because we could have periods of time where we can freely travel to and from the mainland and then periods of time where maybe we can't. And of course, the bubble may also burst from the other direction. We're aware of outbreaks of COVID in Guangzhou recently and in other cities in China as well. So in my opinion, a more sustainable strategy would be to get our vaccine coverage up to a high level and then we can reopen to the entire
3: world.
2: Environmental group Greenpeace says it was surprised to find microplastics in half of eight popular countryside streams it tested. It says such water sources should be clear of pollutants, given there are no nearby industrial activities. Water from Taipo, Chai and Taichou Stream in Taimoshan recorded the highest levels. Campaigner Lian Tam suspected the surge in local visitors to the countryside during the pandemic could be to blame.
4: Even find one microplastic particle in our samples, we think that is unbelievable because for the countryside, you can see there is no industrial or any commercial activity. One of the samples we got from the Thai town is upstream of the reservoir. The water will flow to the reservoir, so it might enter our drinking system. If we just continuously uptake the microplastic, it might cause long-term defect to our home system.
2: Officials in southern Iraq say at least 52 people have been killed in a fire at a hospital treating coronavirus patients in the city of Nasiriyah. A spokesman from the health ministry said the victims died of burns at the al-Hussein hospital. Here's the BBC's Steve Jackson.
5: Footage shows the Covid isolation ward completely engulfed in flames and thick clouds of smoke billowing into the sky. Reporters saw emergency teams carrying charred bodies out of the building. Officials say the blaze has now been brought under control and a search operation is being carried out, but they say many patients are missing. Police at the scene suggested the fire may have been caused by an exploding oxygen tank. A similar blaze in Baghdad in April, which killed more than 80 people, was found to have been caused by a badly stored oxygen cylinder blowing up.
2: You're listening to the news on RTHK.
3: Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chiverton. Your co-host today is Ada Wong. Uh, at least 220 district councillors have resigned since July the 7th with rumours that dozens of pro-democracy uh, 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 members could soon be unseated. The wave of resignations come amid reports that the government is expected to tell district councillors to pledge allegiance to the SAR later this month. Reports also said... Uh, reports... I'm sorry. I'm having trouble with my headphones. Thank you very much indeed. OK, reports also said the uh, authorities uh, may recoup... Salaries and allowances from councillors whose oaths are deemed invalid if their previous actions come under a negative list of behaviour. So what's the future for district councillors? Will they continue to exist? And if so, in what form? After 9.15, we're going to be discussing excessive packaging in supermarkets. Is it necessary to have your bananas wrapped in cling film? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Bankshed on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, bankshed at HK, Or you can call us on our number. Of course, it's 233 Six six two three three eight eight two six six right sorted out the uh, problems, uh, I hope. Uh, joining us now for the first part of the discussion we have with us, uh, Lo kin Hay, Chairman of the Democratic Party, former Southern District Councillor. Uh, uh, Paul Zimmerman is with us, another Southern District Councillor, CEO of Designing uh, Hong Kong. And uh, John Burns, Emeritus Professor and Honorary Professor of the Department of Politics and Public Administration. Another District Councillor will be joining us after the news at nine. Once again, our email is backchat at rthk.hk. This is what Mary has to say on what she calls D.C scare tactics uh, dear backchat with reference to authorities may recoup salaries and allowances from counsellors whose oaths are deemed invalid if their previous actions come under a negative list of behaviour Um, The administration should be careful what it wishes for. Who in their right mind would apply for a a job at any public-funded enterprise, university, public hospital, museum, science park, etc. in the territory going forward if this action were to be taken? The message would be that at any time the government can amend employment terms and deprive persons of their rightful remuneration. The concept that an employment contract can be subject to political whims would then permeate into the business sector and certainly deter talent from coming here. Officials know that the claim is on shaky grounds and can be challenged. So to get around this and encourage the DCs to resign of their own accord, balloons have been floated. Because the DCs are not united and many have legitimate concerns as to how they could support their dependents. They have succumbed to the kill-the-chicken-to-save-the-monkey tactic and resigned. However, it's doubtful that this will save them from further malevolent persecution. That comes from Mary. Once again, backchat is our email address. Paul Zimmerman, good morning to you. Good morning. What do you plan to do?
5: Um, to continue in uh, a, a very small district council now. I believe we have a meeting today with uh, four councillors. Um, and, and how many were there previously? How many? Were, uh, uh, I believe we are about thirteen that have gone. So uh, yeah, uh, scare tactics for sure. I mean, there was uh, the government has been letting up balloons one way or another for months now, and have failed to produce a document clearly stating exactly what uh, what they like to achieve and what the uh, what the red lines are. And um, uh, so, um, um, the, you know, the, the, a lot of the councillors, especially this term, are very young, um, people with, with little means um, and uh, young families' expenses. And uh, they couldn't bear the risk of, uh, of seeing a clawback of all the monies that they had been paid. And um, that uh, government had, in no instance had uh, put down that rumour or accounted it so I, I think they were quite happy that they're all gone
3: and why are you staying on
5: well um, I've not I've done nothing wrong um, so uh, why would I go um, and uh, I believe that many of my colleagues have not done done nothing wrong but there's my interpretation uh, of um, of the support that people have given to uh, to the primary elections um, you, you know it's, it's it was a political tactic uh, to organize a primary I don't think there was anything wrong with that Uh, for uh, Democrats to support other Democrats. I don't see that there was anything wrong with that. there are there were some, some lines in some some proclamations in the Lam Chao proclamations that were made at that time by some people that that uh, I believe that's probably a, a, a good red line. But um, uh, you know, not everybody has stepped over it, and I think especially the district councillors who supported uh, people to go and, and participate in a primary, I don't think that that was particularly egregious at all.
4: So, so, Paul, the recent resignations um, are really because of the financial issues of financial.
5: Uncertainties. Mm. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, at the, I, you know, at the worst meeting last week, uh, among the members in my council. Trying to see what everybody was doing and what how everybody felt, uh, what everybody felt about the risk. And uh, the, the main and overriding concern was uh, anything that might be impacting financially. Uh, not even, you know, like the, the risk the risk of potentially a, a jail term, however short, sure, uh, or being de That was one thing. Uh, but it was really the financial risk that people just can't bear. Uh, you know, as, as I said, uh, it's a, it's a lot of money uh, for uh, uh, for uh, for the for my colleagues.
3: Do you ever think you might go to jail? Sorry? Do you ever think you might go to jail, Paul?
5: Well, I, I cont- continuously look at, uh, at what the risk is, and you're definitely more careful in how you express yourself. Um, uh, but, I, you know, I haven't thought about going to jail, and I, I definitely don't hope to do that ever. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, the situation is uh, very uncomfortable for everybody uh, and very unfortunate. Um, but um, we shall move on. Uh, as I said, I've not done anything wrong. I've, uh, I look after my district
3: and uh, we'll continue to do that. All right, Lokin Hey, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, you, you have decided to uh, stand down. Why?
6: Well, I think there are a couple of reasons for that. Uh, first of all, uh, the financial reason is one of those, uh, but to me it's not a big issue. Uh, Issues that, that that I had in mind and actually to me. I am I don't want to be living like a very uncertain way of uh, Working in my community uh, We have been facing a lot of threats of uh, this term every time the government said the district council You're doing this and doing that and you're violating this and violating that and, and they they are totally in they're not cooperative with the district council and district councillors for this term. So um, there are a lot of uh, things that that, that that can happen in, in the community uh, if I got some uh, certainty on that. So the government uh, didn't want to make a clarification on how are they going to proceed with the oath taking Then I am going to make it clear for myself so uh, i decided to leave the seas and then i am sure that i will be working in the community uh in a non-district councillor capacity and that would help my district uh, uh that would help my community work uh in in this aspect so uh, i took that decision
5: i, I support Loken hey on on his uh, comments that government has been very unfriendly to the district councils uh you know we all came in and we were hoping that there was going to be a massive change we could do fantastic things we had we had a three-page program for the center and district um that we drafted up and um then government has disappeared people stopped showing up at meetings uh and we got no support uh, except for at a very low level uh, at a very uh, for very small issues and so what can be achieved over the next few years. Um, If everybody would have stayed on, um, you know, you you can still ask them the question, so what could could you achieve? But at least, uh, you know, community work, um, uh, on and the, you know having isn't, your district offices and so on but
3: isn't the problem uh, uh Paul and, and Hay, that the 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 politicization basically of the, of the district councils and you can you know you can date this back to the to the super seats uh, and even before that they became uh less concerned with uh, real community district work and more um just uh politics really and they became almost like um, uh, legislators and if you look at the uh, the election in in, in 2019, that was really decided not on the individual merits of the, of the councillor uh, or their experience in, in local work, but on how yellow they were um, and whether their stance uh, over the, uh, the the protests. And really, it just turned into a, a kind of junior version of the Legislative Council. It turned political. That's not what they were intended to do. Um, and so you have to live with the consequences, as the Legislative Council have lived with the consequences. Bokin Hay? Oh
6: that is a valid point to be, you know, the government should work with any council that it. it is the people who voted in the district councillors. You don't need to ask why they, they made that decision. The people made a decision that they have to support uh, the pro-democracy camp. And then uh, what the government should do is actually to listen to the people. That is the reason why we have elections. If if you if you have to if you have to control how the people vote and why they vote, what but, is the um, point what, what, of an election, what, right? What,
4: what, what about the point of politicisation? I don't know whether this happened in the Southern District Council, well, but in other District Councils there have been uh, quite political, um, you know, uh, motions, and then uh, you see uh, officers, you see government officials walking out in in a big group. Uh, you know, normally it's only the councillors who walk out, but now we see government officials walking out.
5: Well, yeah, but that was childish on the side of government. I mean, uh, and then where you draw the line with what's a political motion and what is not. I mean, uh, if, if you, uh, you know, we certainly were no longer being allowed to discuss issues that were outside our district. Uh, well, I've been there for 10 years. I mean, government came around with motions about what to do with Queen's Pier and it would go to the Moon District Council, they would go to the Central District Council. I mean, and then suddenly now they say, well, you can't discuss this because this goes, extends beyond the boundary of your district. So government has been a bit, bit silly about that. I don't deny that there was especially uh, in the beginning, it was all a bit raucous for some, it's some, it's some councils with very young members and kind of trying to figure out what the, the boundaries of the district council are. I, I, don't, I will not deny that, that some of that happened. Uh, but for 80-90% of people's time spent, the district council spent, they spend it on community activities on helping the community. And all the stuff that we discuss in the Southern District Council, 80-90% are real local matters. And so and, and I, I, yeah, think, I think I think there is I, 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 think that's I would
4: like to know Lo in hey, you know what what is different under your chairmanship uh the three well, page the three-page program that Paul just mentioned um you know what what is it you know is it different from a pro-establishment uh, uh, district councils well
6: I think I think what they have what they have in in, in hand uh, at the very beginning of the term is is basically all community works. And, and 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 I think that what is the, the real problem we ha- we are facing is that it is not the politicization uh, in the past we we discussed all those things we discussed political reform, they raised the political reform in the council by the president. came and then they passed the motion to support the government it is It is now that when uh, the, the the District Council are not on the side with the government, the government decided that, uh, well, you are now violating, you are now ultra-virus. That is always the reason why they refuse to talk with us. And and then if you look at, because I think Terry Lamb just said yesterday that the District Council is, uh, were very politicised, uh, when you look at the District Council motion agenda items, I can guarantee you all of the District Council's when you look at the agenda, most of them, very critically most of them is on community issues how with, how is it to Of course, you can see the news because every time the news will only report those political things that is that is, amazing. That, is that is that is a habit and and I, I I get totally fine with that because that is something more juicy because community things are not that juicy and and they're not just that newsworthy, but if the government chose to say that, if the Chief Executive chose to say that she
3: is lying, that is simple. All right, John Burns, good morning to you, and thanks for for joining us once again. What what do you see as as the the short and possibly longer-term future, if any, of the district councils?
7: Well, first of all, let me say that uh, regarding the previous discussion, I think you have to remember that 71 percent of the electorate participated in the 2019 elections, three million people, and that was because they perceived the accountability mechanisms in LegCo, and for the government, it totally failed. In terms of the long-term future, of course, it's uh, not entirely clear my reading of the Basic Law is that they are not required by the Basic Law. The Basic Law basically says that district organizations may be established. And to me, that means maybe and may not. I can see great value to elected district councils. I mean, the two councillors that you've got here, Loken Hay and Paul Zimmerman, are uh, very good uh, role models for these kinds of elections, especially if you want accountable government. If we were to go to some kind of appointed district um, organizations, this is less good in my view. I can still see some value to this, um, but uh, I hope that we would continue with some kind of elected elected district um, organization. But the basic law does not require that.
4: So, John, you you think that, um, you know, there won't be any by-elections since there are now over 200 vacancies. And as Paul has said, you know, the uh, district council has become very small. Uh, So, uh, and also the government has been appointing um, heavyweights or those who have lost in the previous election to area committees. Lightweights. Um, (laughs) Well, um, would would this continue, do you think?
7: Yes. I mean, this. Um, because the Communist Party is very unsure about the security situation in Hong Kong, the people don't trust them. They don't trust the people, and in this kind of uh, distrusting environment, yes, they will appoint. I believe, actually, no by-elections. I'm. I just. My prediction is that there won't be any. You'll, uh, and then there may be some appointments and. and these district co- elected district councils could be transformed into some kind of appointed body where um, you know there are no unexpected results things like this the reason what you all call political agenda items i you know the reason for those is basically because the accountability system has failed it, it didn't work. It doesn't work. It still doesn't work. And the Communist Party is disabling it day by day, you know, with their attacks on the media, their attacks on trying to restrict the Internet, their attacks on education, all of and on our judiciary. All of these things uh, make accountability in Hong Kong more and more problematic. The elected district councils address that issue to a certain extent, but um, with so many vacancies... I don't know. So, Paul, you
4: are... Perhaps an appointment uh, system, then, John. Perhaps, uh, you know, those uh, vacancies, for example, in Southern District Council, Paul said 13 of um, its members have resigned. So do you think those 13 could be appointed somehow?
7: I don't know. I mean, I don't see why they... You know, what the law is, I don't know on this, but um, that's certainly possible... Politically, it's possible in this kind of environment.
5: Hmm. Yeah, they could change the law easily and quickly if they wanted to.
7: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like underwear.
3: Yeah, D- I mean, the administration has said you know some of these duties can be taken up by area committees, the fight crime committees, and things like this. I don't really know much about those. You, Ada, you must know well, you, as a veteran, you must know a lot about well, those.
4: Uh, in in the days when I was district councillor, um, these are these are even smaller uh, committees. So let's say you know a few streets together could be one area committee hmm. and. Um, um, well, people who work in the communities have been invited to, um, to sit on those committees no, and discuss uh, purely community issues. I've
5: been a member of my West Area Committee, which includes uh, Fulam and Wafu. Uh, uh, for for my whole time that I was district council up to up to this new term, where they decided not to invite me, but to invite so, everybody else. So what else have you done me. in the,
4: in that West area? What sort area of thing do you, you
5: in, deal with? Yeah. Well, it's very small things. Uh, you know, uh, are we gonna, how we're going to deal with the pigeons, the uh, the escalator is not working in the Wafu uh, shopping yeah. mall. I mean, it's 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 very small. You know, parking problems, uh, illegal parking is blocking the road on Victoria. And, and really.
4: nothing political, I
5: guess. No, uh, no, it's totally. It's all very very practical stuff. So and
4: usually well, in the old days uh, we would all go to dinner and have a good time
5: uh, <laughs> yeah, after, yeah,
4: after meetings.
5: There is, there is once in a while at dinner. So but so yeah, but you know government with so many vacancies should um, uh, maintain the district council system and make sure that we all go back to the Polling booth and elect uh, district councillors and and refill those seats for the remaining term um, how likely is that uh well we have several elections already in the pipeline and i'm sure the government will be uh, reluctant to kind of uh, put another one in that stream of uh, that series of elections uh, because they're not sure what the outcomes would be uh, and also it was sure that um, the previous outcome of a general uh, election for the district councils was successful as far as government was concerned. Uh, the Democrats won them with a uh, great majority. Uh, so I, I think for those reasons probably uh, the government will not do it. Uh, but that will be a real shame.
3: I, I mean, Lokin, hey, the government, has, you know, the the, the uh, appointed members lingered on and on and on, didn't they, in the district councils. For a, for a long time the government seemed very reluctant to uh, give them up. So, I mean, the, the, the all all elected district councillors are, are relatively new. I would say, uh, you know, maybe we'll just go back to having a higher proportion of uh, of uh, appointed members, and then and then careful screening of the of the candidates. Maybe that'll be the future of the district council. Uh, otherwise, maybe they won't have any future at all.
6: Yeah, I think that the government is is is. Just, I think they're they're preparing to do that. You know, uh, when the when they change the system of the electrical, uh uh, I, I'm foreseeing that they are going to change the system of the district, district council as well. Uh, it is easy for them. They can change it at any time. And it is only some local legislation. And they can do it in the legislative council that they control. So um, I believe that they are going to um, make some changes to the election system, how the district council is formed and how the district council is elected. And this is sort of already the best thing i can think of the worst thing is that they will just totally scrap the district council because as john Burns said uh, it is said in the basic law that it can be or it is it may be it is not a must for them to have the district council they can use the area community as those some so-called district uh uh community work, uh, organization uh as well so um so, think, so what will um,
4: happen to community issues, Lokinhe, if there is no district council? You said yourself that you will continue with community yep. work in your district, but then you will be left with no resources and no title.
6: Yeah. What will happen? Uh, I'm trying to raise some resources and and, and from from my own district because uh, I think that when so many people voted for us uh, in the district council election in 2019, uh. I, I want to find out those people and then ask them. Well, if you want us to be uh, continuing our district work, then maybe you can ha- try to support us. And and if you think I have done a good work for the past ten years as a district council, I can guarantee you I can do a better work. Uh, without that, it but I need some resources. That that is the way I am telling my uh, 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 former motives uh, and and asking. And I, I want to see if that, if that is a way to move forward and and of course some district councillors um, have been discussing on whether or not they can uh, start some small businesses in the district and so that they can do the business at one hand and at the other hand they can talk to the government uh, talk to the people and keep on uh, working in the community as well I think most
5: of the people who leave and you can get things done. I mean, if you look at my office and the complaints and issues that come in, how many of them are actually de- dealt with through my office directly with government departments and how many are dealt with through the district council? The bigger issues go through the district council. Bus route reorganisation, uh, invigorate Island South. Those are the issues that really go through the council. You need to promote them in the council and get support. But other issues, uh, you know, the, kind of, uh, the bus is not on time uh, whatever. Uh, there is a pothole yesterday in, the, in one of the roads um, you deal with that because you know exactly who to call in government and then you can get it resolved very yes. quickly
4: What well, what about the funding paul you're you're staying behind and um, there's like 10 million plus in your council can you still use it
5: So, in terms of uh, fund allocation, that uh, fall under the remit of uh, where the district councillors advise, yeah, that will continue. And so, we now have a smaller group to decide on who gets that money. Uh, But the balance of power in that smaller group has shifted. So, uh, we'll have to see who's who going to be the uh, what the outcomes of the uh, the allocation process will be.
4: Okay, Uh, but there is no, um, I mean, discussion yet that you cannot use the money.
5: No, uh, there is no, no. no I am mean, sure, there will be lots of people that will continue to make applications for funding by district by the district office, and they will come for advice to the district council, and we can then give our support for it or not. Um, so, this, but there is just a very small group now to actually uh, do the vote.
3: Okay, well, uh, Loken Hay, many thanks for joining us, Chairman of the Democratic Party, uh, former Southern uh, District Council, uh, leaving us now. Uh, Paul Zimmerman, and John Burns will stay, but it's also going to be joined by Yun Long, uh, District Councillor, after the uh, news. And we want to hear from you, of course, as ever. Drop us a line back to HK. Got some interesting emails to share just after the uh, news. Uh, and also, are going to be talking about supermarket packaging as well, with some people weighing in on that topic, too. And before all that, the latest weather. It's going to be mainly fine today and very very hot apart from some isolated showers temperatures today up to about 35 celsius uh, persistently very hot with sunny periods in the next couple of days a few showers later in the week the very hot weather warning uh, is now in force and the readings 30 celsius at the moment with the relative humidity now of 72 percent
2: announced that healthcare workers would have until september the 15th to get vaccinated for
3: personnel soignant and non soignant. Vaccination les hôpitaux, will be made compulsory les de retrait, without delay for nursing and non medical staff in hospitals, handicap, clinics, retirement homes, for establishments for, for the disabled, and for all professionals or volunteers who work in contact
2: with the, the, the elderly
0: or the frail, including the at home.
2: You're listening to the news on RTHK. Uh,
3: Welcome back, this is Backchat on a Tuesday morning with Ada Wong and me, Hugh Chipperton. We're talking about uh, district councils, district councillors. Uh, this is after, uh, I think, 220 is the, is the latest count uh, I've seen. Uh, members have uh, resigned. Uh, this is ahead of the uh, legislation on uh, oaths. Uh, which is expected to be, uh, which will be introduced, which has been introduced, um, but the uh, actual oath-taking uh, and the consequences that will come from that. Uh, we want to hear from you. You can email backchat at rthk.hk as ever, or as ever, call us two three three eight eight two six six. Later we're going to be talking about uh, supermarket packaging with a new uh, study by uh, Greeners Action. Your thoughts on that? Uh, of course, welcome as well. Don't forget our Facebook page, that's Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. We're talking this morning to uh, John Burns, Emeritus Professor and Honorary Professor in the Department of Politics and Public Administration at the University of Hong Kong. Paul Zimmerman, Southern District Councillor, as well as CEO of uh, Designing uh, Hong Kong. We hope to be joined, uh, possibly, fingers crossed, by a Yuen Long District uh, Councillor. Okay, on Facebook, TC says, it's naive to think that the DC is over politicised. Any work of any organisation in charge of public resources, uh, e.g. taxpayers' money, is bound to be political. In 2019, all DC chairpersons signed a statement supporting the fugitive Offenders Ordinance Amendment. Wasn't that a form of politicisation? That comes from uh, TC. Uh, Alan says, all the blather the government talks about national security. In every single instance the law applied is simply to attack domestic political opposition. Really, it would have been more honest to call it a laissez majeste law, one that punishes all who fail to kiss the feet of Xi Jinping. The most repulsive and vindictive aspect of this latest outrage is demanding that councillors refund all their salaries and expenses Expenses. How this can be legal, even in the new regime, I cannot understand. Uh, that comes uh, from Alan, who also says, Your hosts are suggesting that politicisation of councils somehow justifies this purge, as if the councils dominated by the DAB were somehow pure and had no interests beside efficient administration. Especially if you lived in a rural area, the DAB councillors are completely corrupt, act only to support their family and cronies' interests, refuse to talk to anyone else. Only events that glorify themselves or the CCP are are allowed. This is the view of Alan, alright, when he says this about the DAB councillors. Uh, Democracy is not an abstract uh, concept with no relevance to -to day-to-day governance. A government responsive to the people is a better government. The ideal now is a government that at all levels defer to the CCP. Nothing else matters. Corruption and malfeasance will run riot that is uh, from uh, Alan Uh, on the draft code of conduct uh, MT says this is a truly shocking state of affairs and the government must be brought to account can this be done by the district councillors to produce a draft code of conduct publish it and force the government to comment I hope the district councillors will stand again in the future so I can vote for the good work they have done at the district level and uh, Jim H says love it or leave it uh, do the job of the district council community work, not lawmaking, not fighting government. Do not try to destroy Hong Kong for stupid political ambitions. That comes from, uh, from uh, Jim H. Uh, many thanks for that. And um,
4: So um, we, we still have John Burns with us, right? Yes. Uh, yep. uh, what, what, what do you think will, will happen next, John? Uh, do you see more district councillors... Resigning, and as Paul said, you know the uh, the shift will be to the pro-establishment side, and then there is the funding allocation, which might be completely different uh, from the vision that uh, perhaps Logan and Paul have uh, crafted. Uh, what what will happen in the in the next few months?
7: I mean, my guess is that there may be more resignations. But it isn't just that uh, about the oath, you know. I mean. It's about disqualification and the finance and the uncertainty, as your um, as your uh, speakers have said. So yes, I don't expect the vacancies to be filled, or if they are, it would be by appointment. And then, um, as one of your uh, one of the emails you read out said, I mean, it is absolutely certain that you know the. The district councils, there's politics in the district councils. There always has been, and these are related to conflict of interest, conflicts of perception of interest, and things like that. So, of course, I believe there are probably things that can be done by counselors working together, but in there are also you know, opportunities for these conflicts of interest to show themselves. Your correspondent talked about what was going on in the new territories. I've heard a lot about that myself, and I uh, I think he was absolutely correct to say that um, if there is politics. There's always been politics in the district council.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, I was also interested kind of on the impact if the uh, district councils are either disbanded or fundamentally changed, what effect that will also have on the pro-establishment where the district councils have been a good kind of seedbed, haven't they, for getting district support. Um, they've worked very hard on that, and and it's it's reported. I don't know how true it is that they're they're continuing even uh, after the election that they the offices have been kept open by the by the DAB and so on. The people are still being being paid. They're sort of ready to step back in. So they're a very important part of the of the DAB, the pro-establishment kind of uh, political network uh, in Hong Kong. That kind of grassroots uh, operation. Um, if the if the district councils are, as I say, disbanded or fundamentally changed. What will happen? To, what effect would it have on the DAB, do you think, and, and on the FTU and the other uh, pro-establishment parties?
7: The DAB has been very successful at mobilizing the community, at mobilizing support to win elections. The Communist Party and the government are now telling us that winning these kind of elections is trivial, that this is not important. It's no longer important. That's why they reduced the number of seats to twenty in the new look, LegCo. So, basically, the authorities are saying, "Well, the skills that you've developed in the election, uh, in the elected district councils, are being marginalized. They're much less relevant than they were before, than they were in the past." Now, I agree with you that these elected elected district councils. Have served as a valuable platform for the community work that enables the DAB to win LEGCO elections. But if the, if only 20 out of 90 seats are, are being contested in any kind of election, and then, then these are in much, much smaller districts, the skills that the DAB and the FTU have had at winning elections, um, less
4: relevant than before. Um, but then what will happen to community issues? I read that um, before some pro-democracy councillors resigned, they actually invited hundreds of residents to discuss how to self-help, how to form groups like chat groups uh, among um, you know, public housing blocks uh, so that they can help each other out in, in unrepresented constituencies all over Hong Kong. So I guess when you know some doors are shut, other doors are open, and citizens are now quite smart to um, to help themselves.
7: Yes, I agree with you. I mean, this is so. What and we saw this, you know, also in Lo King Hayes' comments that, and this is relying on a strong, a relatively strong civil society, but the party and the authorities are doing their utmost to ensure that civil society remains relatively weak I mean the civil so- strong civil society needs transparency it needs um, it, 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 it needs a strong media you know be, uh, and these are precisely the things that the authorities are going after too so you know I uh, uh, it's good for uh, district councillors to say that they will try to do this, but I'm a bit skeptical about their ability to represent the uh, community I- issues outside of these semi-formal organizations. I just, uh, I'm puzzled as to how this will work. If it doesn't work, you know, and if, uh, citizens perceive that they're being shut out of let's go to this is just a recipe for alienation for anger for instability and you know my my note to the authorities don't treat citizens like children
5: I think people gotta keep in mind also on the on the money uh, that we uh, that we 're dealing with so um, when uh, the, de- the, the the pro establishment side lost the district councillors uh, two years ago uh, they basically lost two hundred and fifty million dollars income every year, um, so now we have two hundred uh, uh, p- approach, uh democratic councilors resigning um, again we're talking about 200 million dollars a year left uh, off the taken off the table of uh, p- p- the democrats helping the community um that that's are significant sums and, and significant amount of capacity to actually support the community of course uh, as Logan Hayes said we will try to raise funds we try to see as, as ada just explained self-help uh, situations and i'm sure that the district councilors that will continue to try to help out will will do their best but they got to eat um, and um, and they got to operate somehow they have their expenses to get things done um. Can they do something? Of course, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of the things that you can help people with just to help them to get onto the 1823 help, uh, government complaint line to get government action on an issue and to make sure it gets done in the right way or help, you know, complete the form so you can get your $5,000 voucher. Uh, you know, th- these are the things that you, co- of course, can continue to, to help your community with, uh, but there, are, there is the practical issue. Uh, how are you going to be funded?
4: So are, are, are there, you know, any ways that uh, one can still continue with community work without much funding? I mean, this is how a, a lot of uh, political parties started um, in, in the 80s in the 90s. Um, they didn't really, um, you know, work with too much funding, yet they thrived.
5: Sure. I mean, uh, the crowdfunding opportunities will be there, but they, you know, these kind of models will have to develop. I'm not sure to what extent uh, they're going to be. A national security risk uh, when, when you try to organise that way, um, but um, you know we have to keep in mind that uh, with LegCo, uh, and the the and, and people put in jail, and uh, so we lost all the Democrats in Lechko and now we're losing all the Democrats in the district council. The amount of money that's taken off the table to support democratic development is significant.
3: Uh, Yeah, uh, John Burns, what what do you think about that, the the money side of it? That's going to deplete the coffers, isn't it, for the Democrats? Oh, I
7: I completely agree. And, you know, I mean, this makes the work that the Good Lab and other, other kinds of organizations do even more important. These are funded from civil society. These are funded from... Corporations and NGOs and things like this, but the authorities have the capacity to to tell potential funders, no, 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 you don't want to to do anything like this because you risk uh, national security law violation, you risk being charged with subverting the state, and all these kind of things. So we are in a. an era when, you know, civil society organizing, I think, is uh, much more risky.
5: Oh, yeah, the color coding of NGOs has started. I mean, the color coding of NGOs has always been kind of uh, subliminal, but uh, I think it's getting more obvious in terms of um, uh, what's the color of the NGO that's coming, knocking on somebody's door to try to get funding. And um, uh, we'll see that sharpening up.
3: Okay, well, many thanks for uh, joining us. Uh, John Burns, Emeritus Professor and Honorary Professor in the Department of Politics and uh, Public Administration at the University of Hong Kong. And Paul Zimmerman, thank you very much indeed. uh, Southern District Councillor, CEO of uh, Designing Hong Kong. Uh, Sorry, we won't be able to bring you the uh, District Councillor from uh, Yuen Long. Uh, Thanks very much indeed. Also talking to Lokin Hay in the first part of the programme this morning. Uh, 17 minutes uh, past nine. Uh, A couple of uh, emails related to our discussion uh, yesterday, uh, which touched on uh substandard uh, concrete doug says uh re yesterday's discussion about the substandard concrete uh, sorry if I sound like a grouchy old engineer, but I'm annoyed by your constant incorrect references. One, it's not the Hong Kong Institute of Civil Engineers or the Institute of Engineers, as Backchat referred to it, but the Hong Kong Institution of Engineers, Hong Kong IE. The Hong Kong IE, H-K-I-E, is a world-renowned society incorporating over 30 disciplines of professionally qualified engineers. And two, the building in Taiwan reportedly has a problem with lower-than-specified concrete uh, not cement cement is a constituent of concrete a bit like flour is a constituent of bread please humor an old engineer there you go done that's from uh, uh doug thank you very much indeed for that jim h says facts are truth the 1972 disaster was a benchmark in Hong Kong building construction. Ma wai Y was a very old building with a clear cause. No collapse of significance has occurred recently. That's from uh, Jim H. Thanks very much indeed for that. Finally today, we wanted to turn, as uh, promised, to the issue of uh, wrapping goods. Uh, in um, supermarkets, uh, Greeners Action have been uh, recruiting people, sending them out um, to supermarkets and uh, looking at the results, looking at what kind of uh, products and they can buy and uh, how they are wrapped, uh, especially with uh, plastic are uh, all kinds of uh, fruit and vegetables who are uh, encased uh, in plastic uh, in various ways. Uh, a couple of uh, thoughts uh, are on the issue from uh, our uh, emailers um, this morning. Uh, Mr Tang says, the excessive packaging on food items and products at supermarkets is frustratingly annoying and confusing, to say the least. Bananas wrapped in cling film are just one of the countless examples of unnecessarily packaged products. There are multiple Layers of packaging on some other items, such as apples, grapes, and vegetables. Apparently, vendors may think that the cling film or plastic packaging would somehow yield a fresher or cleaner look of the products and give a false impression that the food is hygienic. But the fact is, all customers would wash the food items by themselves before consumption or cooking, so it makes no sense to wrap them in plastic. After all, we are merely buying grocery but not unboxing a much anticipated product purchased, which can be easily, equally tiresome owing to excessive packaging. Please save us the drudgery of removing the packaging, which is mission impossible sometimes. With plastic cutlery scheduled to be banned at restaurants in 2025, supermarkets should also consider doing away with non-essential packaging so as to cut down on the production of plastic waste. A green environment can also be on the horizon if vendors take the lead in reducing carbon footprint arising from the use of packaging. That's from Mr Tang. Thanks very much indeed for that. Back uh, email address. Uh, joining us now, we have uh, Executive Director of uh, Greenest Action, uh, Angus Ho Wai. Uh, Mr Ho, good morning to you. Good morning. Tell us exactly what you were doing at Greenest Action and what you found.
8: Actually, uh, we have recruited um, nine participants, uh, become a focus group, and they have been uh, doing eight days, uh, uh, normal days, and we asked them to go to uh, supermarkets to shopping as normal, so, that uh, we want to count how many plastic uh, packagings they got uh, from the supermarket. And eventually, we found that um, they all together only live present for eight days. They purchased one, uh, 147 uh, items and they have 276 uh, packaging plastic they found. And uh, among uh, different kinds of orders which is um, the vegetable is the highest, which have um, been uh, 52 items of the vegetables um, uh, over the 47 items. So that um, we find that the vegetable is um, much more serious in overpackaging. And uh, most of the participants think that uh, those packaging are not necessary. And uh, as you just mentioned, some of them, they. Those packaging um, just uh, try to be bundled together, and then so that you cannot choose uh, from your own. And then, if you want to buy own, uh, one single tomato, uh, they are not allowed you to do so. But you need to buy more than what you need. And also, um, it is uh, you you not only buying um, four of them in a in a in a tray in a plastic. charging policy is implemented, you need to pay for those uh, rates and use the uh, under the um, uh, waste charging policy
4: Yes, thank you, Angus. Um, do you think this, uh, the situation has got um, more serious recently? Um, I'm, a, I'm a, a shopper myself, and I get very annoyed. In the past, I, uh, I see that uh, only the more expensive fruits, like strawberries and peaches from Japan, um, they, they are overpackaged, uh, definitely. But then other fruits, uh, such as um, apples. Um, and grapefruits, they they are not. But nowadays, uh, even bananas, you know, they put it on uh, like um, uh, like, like a dish dish or so and then wrapped in cling film. Mm. Um, Since when did this happen, um, you know, do you know? And how could we stop that?
8: Yes, you are very right. Uh, We saw a lot of ridiculous situations just like banana and also potatoes. They also wrapped together. And I think... um, some of them is come from the original uh, uh, factory overseas, from the farm or from the farm's uh, factory, etc. But some of them we also see um, this is a practice by the uh, supermarket itself, so that they maybe they are uh, come in a big box uh, with a lot of um, banana, etc. And then uh, those um, staff in the supermarket, they do it themselves to uh, wrap it together and then to make a um, a tray, a polystyrene tray, and then clean film to wrap it together to try to bundle those uh, products to to sell it. And also, it will make you feel it is more decent, it is more uh, expensive, and it looks like it's more shiny. But in fact... um, Some of our participants in our survey told us it is actually uh, avoiding them to look at the products and then to see whether it is uh, rotten or in a good uh, condition or not. So I think the supermarkets have a very uh, important role for them to um, change their practice. And also uh, under the ESG responsibility I think the supermarkets, uh, as they are very um, influential and they are buyer, they should also uh, influence their supply chain to change those uh, packagings from the um, original country or the farm or the factory, etc.
4: But at the moment, there is no legislation whatsoever to stop supermarkets or you know, to reduce or curtail this sort of practice. Is that correct?
8: I, I think definitely. I, uh, I can see in uh, European countries uh, they have also packaging directives. Uh, different countries have their own legislative or the polluter price principles uh, by the PRS uh, scheme so that uh, they need to pay for those uh, packaging waste. Uh, In Hong Kong, we don't have any packaging uh, legislation, and so that the supermarkets in these uh, last 10 years, I can see the overpackaging is getting more and more serious, just like what you said before. And I think the government should also um, to think about how to control this kind of uh, single-use plastic and uh, wasteful situation. If uh, the government do not have uh, such kind of um, legislation, I, I, I don't think it will uh, have a very big changes. But um, even that, I, I still think um, the government, even they have an uh, implement or, or they try to introduce a, a, a legislation in Hong Kong, it may take uh, several years. So that at at this moment, I think the supermarkets still have the the, uh, responsibilities to change their uh, webbing habits by their staff right now so that uh, I can see um, there's a, a, a way out for the customer to choose the right product without overpackaging in the supermarket.
3: All right. well here's an email from S who says, if the public did not smell, touch or toss each and every food item, especially fruits and vegetables then it would be fine not to wrap them. I know we can clean and wash these items at home but still it's not pleasant to see someone touch every item. You do see that a lot, don't you? I mean, uh, oranges, I know, but quite often I see in supermarkets where they do have uh, uh, stuff that Uncovered, people will pick through them, uh, the apples and things like that, and spend quite a long time doing it as well. Actually, uh, uh, to to choose the right fruit, and maybe you don't want fruit or vegetables that somebody else has been um, picking over.
8: Well, um, I, I I have heard similar uh, comments from the supermarket. Uh, I think um, it is um, yes and no questions. And I, for one hand, if uh, some um, very fragile uh, products like strawberry, I, I I I agree with this. And if we um, every uh, people uh, touch it or press it, it may uh, uh, not very hygiene or even destroy the uh, the fruit. But I think in generally. Um, I, uh, in the wet market itself, uh, many people, many customers go to the wet market every day, and they also choose their own fruit, and then they will see which one is they want, and maybe the size, etc. So I think it is not a very serious problem. And all in all, um, people go back home; and they will uh, they will clean it properly. So um, and bear in mind that the farmers in the farm, and also the in the factory, uh, also you you handled by a lot of people, and even in the transportation. So there's a low way you think that it is uh, wrapped in a clean frame, means it is very hygiene and no one touched it before. So that um, I, I think uh, we have to, uh, anyway, we, we still have to clean it uh, in our kitchen you know, before we, we eat it. So it is not a very um,
4: yeah problem. Angus. There, there is also one saying that uh, it is related to the pandemic. Um, you know, people really want the, their fruits and vegetables to be more protected. Right?
8: Yeah, uh, yeah. same is, uh, same thing um, similar to our um, uh, program in the restaurant. We uh, uh we try to convince more customers to bring their own container to the uh, to the restaurant to buy the takeaway but uh, some of the people or the uh, restaurant restaurant uh, uh, owner they will use their uh, polystyrene phone box uh takeaway box to pet those uh, food for takeaway but um, i think even the pandemic uh, if you um you you know more about uh, your container and because you cannot guarantee the container is clean anyway uh, so the, we, we, we talked to the owner someone is also agreed uh, actually the, the uh, brand new uh, lunch box it is not very hygiene it is not guaranteed to be hygiene but if you bring your own container from your home to buy your uh, lunch uh, in your box it is even more guaranteed because you know uh, much more so that uh, again, I think uh, even in um, in the pandemic situation, we have heard from the news uh, the the pork chop from the or the chicken I, I forgot from the Brazil. It is a frozen food, but it still have uh, you can still find some uh, virus uh, situation, and it was in the news. So that I I, I think no one can guarantee it in, in pandemic situation. Um, which kind of packaging will will keep you away from the virus. And I, I think people should not have this kind of misunderstanding. If you got more and more can- skin cream, and then it is meaning of hygiene, it, it may not be true. All
3: right. Uh, Jim H. in an email says, uh, uh, items that spoil easily are wrapped in order to sell one spoiled item along with three similar. Uh, that comes uh, from uh, Jim. That does happen, doesn't it? You get one... Oh, yeah, certainly. I, I
4: got, got a papaya who, who, whose backside is rotten, Yeah, and you,
3: you won't know it. You can't tell. Uh, OK, and uh, S says, in the factories and farms, all fruits and vegetables are thoroughly cleaned in machines at times before being uh, packed. Uh, 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 Angus Ho, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Executive Director of uh, Greenness Action. Uh, Paul says... Backchat, before doing a self-righteous piece on overpackaging, can't we address the elephant in the room, which is the huge amount of waste that masks produce? Despite masks never having been scientifically proven to work against COVID-19, and coupled with the fact that US states had comparable uh, COVID cases irregardless of mask mandates should be enough for us to dump these disgusting symbols of fear however if we are now going to pursue a green perspective then by our own chicken licking inspired the sky is falling in standards wearing masks should be criminalised But we all know this isn't about green issues, nor is it about a deadly disease that can be defeated with paper towels. It's always been about social control, hasn't it? That's from Paul uh, in Taipo. Ada, thank you very much indeed for joining us today. The weather, mainly fine, very hot, isolated showers. The outlook, persistently very hot. The sunny period in the next couple of days. And then a few showers around in the latter part of this week. The very hot weather warning now in force, 30 Celsius. Relative humidity is at 71%. Over the past two years, Hong Kong faced severe challenges. Facts have proved that with the support of the central government, Hong Kong can withstand any test and the whole community fights against the epidemic together. It's time now for Hong Kong to forge ahead with renewed perseverance. The 2021 Policy Address Public Consultation. Your views are welcome. For details, please visit www.policyaddress.gov.hk. And 33, the news now with Samantha Butler.
2: Epidemiologist Benjamin Cowling has indicated the situation in Hong Kong is still too unstable to open up travel bubbles. Professor Cowling from the University of Hong Kong said without a high vaccination rate, new coronavirus cases here or across the border would burst any bubbles. Environmental group Greenpeace says it was surprised to find microplastics in half of eight popular countryside streams it tested. It says such water sources should be clear of pollutants given there are no nearby industrial activities. And the United States had renewed its claim that China has committed genocide and crimes against humanity against Uyghur Muslims and other minority groups in the Xinjiang region. It comes in the State Department's annual report on genocide and atrocities prevention. China denies the allegations. I'll have more news at ten o'clock. It's time right now on Radio Three to say good morning to Phil Wheelan and his guests on the morning brew. Hello, hello, How are
5: you? Well, not too bad at all. Good morning. up sporting. Hello. You never Facebook chat with me, still? Good morning. It's got the Tom and type violence. It's a great experience if you just give a bit of
2: zing. On your radio and live online, this is the Morning Brew.
6: Good morning, and welcome to Tuesday here on the Morning Brew. Good to be back with you, and we're doing it until.